Hello and welcome to the Pro Detailer Magazine podcast. We are joining you literally hours after submitting the magazine issue 17 to print. And so we're kind of looking at each other across the table, Ian, myself. Say hello, Ian. Hello, Ian. Um, and uh, yeah, we are dry husks of people at the moment. Is that- I, I do feel like an empty flask at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a- I've, I've been drained. <laughs> Battery is low. It's it's when the Duracell bunny stops hopping. Um, but as ever, we have rigged up the old roadcaster and we wanted to do an interim podcast. So that is exactly what we're doing. And we're going to chat through what is in issue 17 while it's fresh in our minds, because we have read through and edited and typeset and photographed and all the rest of it, every article about a million billion times. It's sick of like. sight of it, to be frank. Yeah, and the scary <laughs> thing is there'll still probably be typos in there, although last one, we didn't have one report of a typo. No. In 15, we had a couple people write in. One one had a go at my semicolons. Can I just say, this isn't an invitation to write in and tell us about typos. We don't really... There's nothing we can do about it once it's printed. That's true. That's the worst bit so, of it, So, you though. know, keep, keep it to yourself. <laughs> little victory for yourself in your head. I have to admit, when it arrives, it's the worst time is when it comes back from the printers. I, in a way, I don't like to look at it because if there is a cock up, then there's nothing we can do and we're sat there. Well, with... the difference is this time, because we, we've run over to a new print company with it, that we had to put all of the pages into the order in layout. So I'm kind of thinking to myself, when we were going through it and just double checking it on the screen in front of us before submitting... Did we actually check we didn't put two pages in of the same somewhere? Well, we did initially, didn't we? There was one that we... we one, one we did, yes. But I, I, having done that one, I, I, I'm pretty sure we read through it. Pretty sure. Well, you know, that's fine. It's Again, not like we're handing over... not a lot we can do about it now. <laughs> Tens of know, thousands of pounds for if, if you're If you're sitting there at home now with the magazine in front of you um, and you notice one of those, you know, give yourself a little high five, you know? Yeah. Don't, don't tell us. No. <laughs> it's... We're not going to do anything about it because we can't be crying anyway and it, even even the delivery is going to be fun because i've got to get all the pre-orders amassed into a spreadsheet and that's been sent off to the mailing company and oh, that's got to be done time though. i do love it i do love spreadsheets and i have to use things like the proper uh form which basically for people who decide to use all caps for addresses or names and stuff like that or fail to capitalize their own name this will fix that um, and then also the way it spits it out is first name, second name, and separate cells. Well, that doesn't work if you're doing mailing. It has to be in the same cell. So then there's a special formula that allows me to combine two cells into one and add a space. That sounds incredibly boring. Let's not talk about it again. Okay. I find it quite arousing. Um, I can see. Yeah. And then it's all coming in. It's coming in on a day when I'm supposed to be teaching people how to take photos. Um, so at some point I'm going to have to say, oh, we just need to pop to the loo. And then suddenly <laughs> an HGV with four, four or five pallets basically has to come off. Um, so then we have to go and borrow Just a, for you to go to the loop. a forklift truck, <laughs> which we don't own, strangely enough, and then get that shifted in. So it's all going to be fun. Um, but anyway, so let's go through where it starts. And it starts with, as ever, well, it starts with the front cover, but we'll talk about Unless that Unless you got it back to front, in which case it starts with the back cover and nothing's going to make sense. No, no, but it's got a very pretty Labo Cosmetic advert on the back cover, as happens. Um, but the uh, news section, we cover a bit of news. There's a bit of industry news. There's some stuff. Slims has got a foothold now in Northern Ireland, so they can ship things better. Autobright's um, got a new big warehouse. Yeah, it's massive. I was watching a video. In order to get all the screen grabs for the article on that, I watched uh, Mark Ross video of him sort of showing people around as an empty shell my god that place is massive they're doing really really well um it's it's good to see so i'll never be able to have a warehouse because i'd instantly want to put a go-kart track in there would you that's what you'd do I'd, yeah. yeah i'm not sure or a shooting range 
Yeah. I, go-kart shooting range. Go-kart shooting range. Boom. <laughs> I'm not sure whether I'd use rifles or bows and arrows, though. Oh, well, for my statue. I used to be an archery instructor. Yes. A long, long time ago. So yes, you I've got, I've, got, I've got a little bit of a, a, a thing for archery. I do like it. Okay. Well, you could be, because archery on horseback is quite fun. Silent. They never hear you coming. No. No, they just hear a little whistle and then thud. Um, but no, I did. I, it'd be quite fun to do it with two two. I, I went on a well on my own stag do um, with just two other people down in in the West Country uh, about a month ago. And you we, and the taxi driver. <laughs> <laughs> we, we went to a, a shooting range and had uh, M4s, which were fun with two twos, but um, semi-auto uh, in a range that was based in an old mine. It was awesome, and where they was, can shoot bigger than fifty cal there as well. Where was that? Um, so where was that? Lime Regis, and you go, it's about 20, no, about 15 minutes north of Lime Regis, a deserted copper mine, I think. I hope it'd be deserted if you're going to start shooting. <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't before, it will be afterwards. Oh, no, it's cool. Well, they've got all sorts of contracts with MOD and stuff for supplying big bore stuff and training on it. And they've had uh, Ukrainians over there to do some training on, on big caliber guns and stuff. It's, it's very interesting. Anyway, we are going uh, off, offline. So, uh, Talking yeah, of big bores. News, <laughs> yes. Uh, Hygan also did an interesting test with the University of Bel- uh, not of Belgium, Oh, yeah, they've got Birmingham. Yeah, very different places. Mm. Um, Slightly better chocolates in Belgium. Mm. I don't know. No, actually, no. Capri's in Birmingham. What am I talking about? That's true. Ignore it. Strike that from the record. (laughs) Oh, no. no, You you fifth columnist, you. No, you can reintroduce that to the record because they're owned by Kraft now and they've destroyed what's otherwise a good (laughs) chocolate company. (laughs) Again, going off on a tangent. You can tell we're tired. We're on on tired mode with Red Bull at the moment. Uh, yeah, but you've got some really cool microscope images of sponges and... Electron microscope as well. That there are differences between cheap and expensive sponges. Look at us. God, we're, we're full of the, the <laughs> interesting stuff these days. But it is actually a really interesting little article, article to read. Yes. Not so much an interesting article to lick, but you can no. read it. <laughs> so that was the news. And then the CCA cut started off uh, with us going to Germany. And I can't remember on podcast... No, 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 no. It's, it started off with uh, me arriving here at... Two o'clock in the morning? Something like that. Uh, no, I think it was more like three or four. Uh, three o'clock in the morning, yep. let's say. Uh, to, to, to find that our uh, plane had been... Uh, delayed. Uh, delayed, that's the word. Four hours. By four hours. So uh, rather than you jumping in the car and us going to Heathrow immediately, I ended up going and standing on a bridge taking long exposure photos with my phone mm-hmm. and trying to ignore the doggers, <laughs> of which there are many around here. Yes, it is. it's dogger central. It's proximity to... Uh, it's it's on Google Maps, is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dogger's yeah. delight. Yeah, well, it's on the shipping forecast. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was a, a, a traumatic start to the day, and then we ended up, and you had an unsatisfying giraffe. But very rarely have you ever gone to a restaurant that I've seen and, and been happy, because you're an ex-chef. You're always like, uh, uh, Well, no, who puts, who puts chilies on a bloody egg benedict? Well, I put Tabasco on my whole cooked breakfast, just sprayed it everywhere. Yeah, but you're allergic to most things, so you have to do that to introduce some sort of taste into your life. <laughs> Just to remind myself I'm still alive. Um, yeah, so there's that. But then we, we landed, and we landed late, because obviously the flight took off late, and there was all sorts of other things. Was that the one where somebody died in the arrivals hall? No, no, no that was last time. That was last time. That was awkward. Um, but, but for them it was. For them, yeah. For, for me, I had a grandstand view through the window of the aeroplane, so it was get on with it. Um, but God, we're nice people underneath. Um, we we were supposed to be lunching with Flex, and that's didn't didn't happen but we'd still oh, it sounds terribly major doesn't it i was supposed to have lunch darlings well no we just had a long flight we were supposed to stop for lunch catch up with people and do that portion of our what's going on with flexing but we ended up having to go straight into the factory and 
We did, and and also we need to mention that we got a uh, we were aiming for a Polestar hire car, which we as always, which I think we this, always a, this do. is our sixth attempt to get a Polestar. I'm convinced Polestars don't actually exist within the rental network. It's it's certainly possible because they left us with a slightly dissatisfying Tesla Y. Was it a Y? Yeah, yeah it's Model Y. Uh, it was a performance one. Yeah, it was performance, long range, everything like that. But being a left hand drive as well, mm. it wasn't the most intuitive thing to jump into when you haven't got things like speed and that no. indicating in front of you i mean you were disappointed i was disappointed and then you came home to england and I was bought more a tesla i was more disappointed in the y than i was the uh the e-tron because e-tron was awesome yeah you did like that lots but yeah. no yes and yes i have since gone and bought a tesla gone three. to the tesla side yeah yeah um so it's disappointing but anyway so we go to flex they've they've revamped their factory and it was great we met up with with gert and uh michael carrera and uh it's like banana i know how to spell banana but i just don't know how to stop spelling banana michael carrera that's it and uh we we caught up with the lovely marketing department and walked around the factory and went to a new sort of training unit zone that they've got demonstration mm-hmm. zone which was cool um really nicely kitted out actually yeah and they showed, they did show us a, a new promo video they've done uh which was uh, amusing it was very very german in um it's kind of trying to make power tools sexy yeah i made some offhand comment <laughs> really, really upset funny. them <laughs> yeah. i do that a lot <laughs> <laughs> i was i was struggling there's, i have to admit there's a reason we haven't been back there in six years <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, but no, it was great, and I really liked their, their their unit. And then uh, we went and stayed in a lovely little village, and, and Gert kindly came out and had dinner with us, um, and just keep us sort of sane. Um, and it, the whole place feels much more relaxed than it used to be. It used to be quite like high tension, I felt. And we, do you remember the first time we they, they with the employees they put on different coloured lanyards or no, well, no they, they had to wear different shirts to see if we, if they'd kind of given us permission to use their image or to say photographs of them yeah but we weren't told on that until after we take a photograph <laughs> everybody went, oh by the way don't do that okay. <laughs> exactly um so that was good and then the following morning it suddenly got very cold and uh, it was freezing it wasn't that cold well, I, mean, no, I mean when we when we came into land you could see that sort of isolated patches of snow, snow so we were like, yeah. oh, okay maybe that was just high ground no it was minus four most of the time yeah but that's that's not that cold. We're British. We can cope with that. But the, the week before, it had been about 25 degrees there. Apparently. Well, they obviously knew we were coming, but, you know. Um, so we ended up at uh, Shoal after a bit of a trek, and we saw some experimental cars from memory. A 17-mile trek. They're not far away. They're not that far. Yeah, exactly. They're not They're not far at all. And it was really nice seeing Shoal. Um, the really, factory's cool. Really, really cool, um, cool set of buildings as well. They've, they've got a... Sort of a slightly hipster cafe feel about the mm. the offices, all very sort of low mood lighting, every wood everywhere, and, and clear glass walls and partitions, and yeah, the odd bean bags or bean bags to sit on. Yeah. Be, yeah, but they were put in the most bizarre positions. It's, it's sort of not in an obvious place. You know, if you've got a corner, you put a little bean bag in it. Also, your employees working at a company that make pads and polishing compounds, and these were like four man bean bags. I just I don't know how what they do on on the. It's quite weird. I felt personally. I, 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 I'm the sort of guy who won't share a beanbag with a with with certainly not with another man. Um, but I don't know. It struck me as a bit odd. But it was nice in a kind of weird way. But the factory was awesome, um, and we saw all sorts Absolutely of processes. Massive as well. And yes, we, we actually got to see foam slicing and everything like that in action because mm. they buy in the materials as one big block. Whereas a lot of guys that make foam, they get it pre-cut because mm. there's no point in having. 
10 factories with 10 different slicing machines where you can just buy all in sliced to the things you That's already true. want it. But like with buying non-sliced bread, you can then choose how thick you want your crust. Yes. So there is a benefit to it. Although crusty pads are probably not the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> and they had uh, lots of stuff. We were taken into a kind of a top secret area with lots of do not photo and, and stuff like that and then um so we can't actually say all the processes that we saw but well, we can say it but they, they just can't see into our mind so you know, we saw these the the, uh, the sort of the shaping tools they used to to lathe down the foam and all the, mm. how they make their uh, cross-cutting pads stuff, stuff like yes that. yeah uh, and it was it, certainly there is equipment in there we've been to quite a few pad factories um where have we been we've been repairs um where they're making pads there um, where else have we been where they were making pads? Put me on the spot now. I'm drawing an absolute blank. I'm still in... in mag- yeah. I'm still in okay, magazine well, mode. You know, we, we, we've been places. We've seen pads. We've done things. We, yeah, you weren't <laughs> there, man. Um, but anyway, and they did have some kit that I have not seen before, is, is where I was going with that. So, um, no, it was really interesting. And the folk were nice. And we were taken to a little training center that they have, which has stored most of their show kit. And I remember the show kit from things like Auto Mechanica and stuff like that. I've seen that before. Now mm-hmm. it's in the back of a little garage. And they had a, a black Kranzel which I've never seen before. I think they've just painted it. Okay. Well, there was that. And then there was some VW Beetle, uh, Porsche, Porsche uh, in the in the back um, and a detailer who works there full-time to sort of make use of the space when it's not being used for training or demonstration. sort of the space where the new building for Shot is going because they're adding mm. a whole new... A third. Yeah, a whole new yeah. factory warehouse bit. So that was cool. Growing, growing massively. And then we went, and I'm trying to remember, I'm, I'm getting mixed up in my mind, but we... Next up was... Nanolex. Yep. And was Nanolex the one where we stayed at quite the nice hotel? We stayed at quite nice hotels all the place. Yes, true. But this one was kind of a bit bigger. It had lots of glass and stuff. And we met. No, no, that, oh. that was that was with Scholl. That was in the middle of um, Ludwigsburg, I think. Wasn't Ludwigsburg. It? Yes. And that was the night after Scholl, though, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. So that was, and that was, yes, you're right. Because Martin Commander, coolest name in the world, mm-hmm. um, was their commander with a K as well. Um, uh, came and had dinner there, sir. But it was, it was. I kind of like. I went for a little walk late night, and mainly to try and find a charge spot for our little Tesla thing. Uh, but also just wandering around, and it was a really nice Ludwigsburg. It's a nice, nice place. I could, I if could, that is the name of it, you know. If it I, is again, I'm, I'm just kind of pulling the name out of. Yeah, it was. You know, something. it might have just been a battle in Ludwigsburg. <laughs> that I've heard about once. It might be some atrocity that we're not supposed to talk about. But anyway, mm. um, I've been doing a lot of that. Um, so. Uh, that was cool, and then we went to Nanlex, and we met up with uh, Florian. Well, we went. To, it was it was a quite a lot longer drive to Nanlex. It was. We had to stop and charge far over on the French border, effectively in Saarbrücken. Saarbrücken, yeah, uh, yeah. We had to do a little charge in Tesla and uh, rely on your directions that you still managed to screw up, even though the nav screen is right in front of you. Yeah, well, because Tesla doesn't actually tell you when to turn off until you have to turn off, and you go, yes. "Oh, by the way, you should have just um, you yes." Know, and then it there. bollocks you for not doing it and yeah. I, I've, oh, I get bollocked by real female voices enough I don't need to get bollocked by computer ones um, but anyway uh, we arrived there and Josh was there and Florian was there and Andreas was there and various other folk um, and that was really cool yeah because we had a we had a, a little play in the lab with Andreas while we were there as well we don't go into that too much because that's still something we we haven't gone through all the testing on what we eventually got Andreas to make us True. We did mention it in our podcast because we recorded podcasts everywhere apart from Flex because we were time short. Um, and I think we talked about what we were doing at Nanlex when we were there. But um, yeah, watch this space, you know. Um, or listen to this space. Well, listen to this space. Don't just watch the place in front of wherever you're listening to. Unless well, this is a car, in which case do carry on watching that. <laughs> I think that's covered all bases. I, I think yeah. you're good. Yeah, cool. yeah. And I know that Josh is bringing to Waxstock our... Um, 
thing our concoction our concoction so that we can we can actually start doing a little bit of playing and, and, and get stuff sorted so that'd be fun um but no they've got so when i went to nanlex years and years and years ago with matt bedworth our, our former photographer videographer really um and uh they just got engaged he has congratulations Matt. he was in the local paper getting engaged and he's bought in a an giraffe Audi. house Yes, in a giraffe house, and he's bought an S6, the V10 one, which he actually took me to my civil partnership in because he was a photographer at my wedding. Um, it very cornwall there. It was very, there. yeah, turning up in, in Quart, Chippenham, and he's fiddled the exhaust in this V10 that makes a lot of noise without going very quickly. Um, it was it was quite something, and he can't drive slowly, which was really awkward when trying to be civilised. But anyway, um, the uh, Matt, lovely Matt, and we were there, and Nanalex had got the, the top, the kind of the school atop of the big rail yard factory thing, but now they appear to have bought most of the rail yard factory. They've got four or five units. Got there. Five units down, or is it five units down the bottom, or I, five units including the the original? I think he's selling one and buying another, or doing something. But anyway, it's it's a big big space. It's even got like rail, like train line going through the middle of the factory. Um, that I think in some places they're concreted over, and it's next to a fish farm. Yeah, a fish farm that they keep on flooding the other factories with. Yes, <laughs> Florian was quite sinister. We asked him, you know, he said it's happened. He said the first time, okay, mis mistakes happen. The second time, I was knocked off and it smelled terrible and it was, it was bad. And the third time, I went over there and told them what would happen if it <laughs> happened again. Um, so, yeah, no, he's, he's, uh, it was interesting. Um, and yeah, so we went to the labs. Why is he we suddenly from Kazakhstan? Because <laughs> I, I don't want to do a German accent because it's more offensive, but I don't think we've got too many <laughs> Kazakhstani listeners. <laughs> You um, never have too many. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, uh, we we I remember that day ended quite late. We were we we did a podcast with cigars in their kind of demo unit, um, and then we went to this weird no no lovely little restaurant in Sarbrook and oh, Town. It was a lovely restaurant. <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny because we went in two cars. I went in with Andy. You, you went with Florian. We're, yeah, we're driving along. I had to get a BMW. On, I think it's on the riverside, isn't it? Yes. in the middle of town. And uh, and he pointed out this theatre to me, and he goes, "That's uh, that theatre." And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's nice." He goes, "Yeah, that that was Hitler's favourite theatre." <laughs> like, oh nice. <laughs> but what was really cool was that it was covered in um, uh, rainbow lighting. Oh okay. So right. it's like the ultimate fuck you to him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he'd be really knocked off if he saw that <laughs> turning in his. Uh, bunker. <laughs> <laughs> okay again moving off the topic um the uh so that was cool and then the final day we zipped to menzerner which mm -hmm. was we had on to route no, back to the onto the airport but we went to france first we had, yeah we had to go via france uh where we parked up and charged next to a ferris wheel mm -hmm. because that's what you have in in shopping parks in france you have a decathlon you have a mcdonald's uh you have theme an park. ocean and you have a theme park with a ferris wheel in it in in fairness I mean, you and I both know France fairly well, and it, that part, which is the kind of mid, middle, halfway down eastern, is perhaps one of the weirdest parts of France. It's, it's quite odd, yeah. It's Alsace, isn't it? Or is it a bit lower than Alsace? Uh, no, it's, it's down from Alsace. Yeah, it's down from there. Yeah, because Al Alsace kind of comes down and then it, it juts into Germany where, Sa where Saarbrücken is. Yes. And then you've got that little kind of gap, and that's the bit we... We were in. We rooted through. It's a bit close. They, they they come to Germany for supplies and women. Um, and then Alsace, though, is more of a kind of forestry mountain kind of place. They're also a bit weird, but they make nice wine. So they make nice wine. Give them ish. They're quite sweet, but then you like your weird sweet whites, yeah. don't you? Um, and uh, so we went there, and then we we finally made it to Manzana. And Manzana is another great big facility. Never been there before. Uh, met the lovely Hannah and Mona. And um, we kept on getting trapped behind the security door. So I've got quite a lot of security there. And I kept, well, we kept on going out for vapes and then failing to 
get through and stuff. So we spent a lot of time awkwardly sitting in an empty foyer, kind of waving at people. But they have got a robotic arm that does polishing, which is quite cool. That is really cool. In fact, they've got a lot of hardcore kit. And the other thing about Manzana, we always think of bottles and car polishing, but obviously they do a lot of like solid soaps and bits and bobs for polishing um, in industrial applications. So we got to see some big machines working. And then they've got a demo room as well with more polisher machines than I've ever seen at manufacturers because they had Flex, Rupes, Festool, Liquid Elements. Um, They even had, I think, Vertool as well. There are Mm -hmm. quite a few on the wall. Um, And a, a lovely chap who's sort of a detailer plus plus really yeah Freddie he's kind of their um their fixer guy so he's the one that does all the testing goes out to um manufacturers and does problem solving for them yeah and you you had a play with machines and him on on a, on a boot didn't you yes. well i went around and tried to rearrange their display cabinets for better photos mm-hmm. um and uh, we did a podcast there with uh well we went to the lab um, which we have many photos of, but not that many were published because it ended up, I, I appear to have taken accidentally on purpose photos of really cool bits of machinery, which are very, very secret um, and special plates that they use for like assessing new products coming in and bits and bobs. So um, we did look around there and the coolest thing I saw there, not the coolest thing, but an interesting thing I saw there was a whiteboard that stretched about 20 foot and employees are encouraged to put uh, an idea at one end and then a manager comes along and says, oh, we could push this forward and it literally goes in sections and it goes to different departments and and then at the end, other end, it means it's been released to market. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really fun. So it's kind of like a nice crowdsourcing um, ideas board. Mm, exactly that. And we talked to the, well, we did a podcast with the chemist Kai. Uh, yes. And uh, that was interesting. It was, there was a bit, I think from a language point of view, that was our hardest podcast yet. Yeah, he had very good English, but he, he obviously wanted to make sure that all the answers he gave were correct. So we, we did give him a list of, Question, initial yeah. questions in the first place and obviously we tend to go off on tangents quite a lot <laughs> yeah. so it was a, a little bit more stilted if you like but some really interesting uh, info, info out yeah. of it and Kyle's a really lovely guy oh he's, he's a lovely guy and he does I think have a Ford Focus but yeah he, well he, he had a Ford Focus and then he bought another Ford Focus to replace it so you know imagination but um, no he was good I, I think it was just a f- also a slight fear of, of maintaining company compliance That's, yes. that was the main the main drag um, but then we went into the factory itself and met with a, a mammoth of a man who was in charge of basically production. One of the happiest people I've ever met as yes. well. He, he's a, genu- a guy that genuinely loves his job. Do you Now, the feeling I was getting was Steve McMurn, but German. They're both big lads. No, no, no. no. Both smiley. Just a, just a very happy, happy-o-lucky. Just yeah. He's in the right place. He's found his exact niche mm. in life. And that is running this entire production facility for Menzerna, which is huge and yeah, complicated. Yes, it's well, it's the size of some of the mixing machines they have there for their compounds. It was up to like thirty-two ton mixing machines at yeah. one point. Not the weight of the machine, the weight of the product that can go in the machine. Yeah, it's it was insane. And they um, also, I've never seen solid polishing soaps being manufactured, um, and that was like literally thick gloopy liquid poured straight into the uh like cardboard container and then it goes up a conveyor belt where it's then force dried sort of thing and then sealed it was it was i've got a feeling i have seen that before somewhere else but yeah no Mm. like you say very very interesting to see that happening how it has to be slowly cooled down from 80 odd degrees in a liquid state to um so it doesn't crack in the in the tin in, in, in the box no that was cool and then we went there had another huge warehouse and then if you go out the back because we both went out the back i saw a tractor of some description i seem to remember it wasn't it wasn't a forklift it wasn't really a tractor well, no there's a unimogs uh, out, out, out front wasn't out there? front unimogs like out front yeah dealer no i went and had a bit of a lick there mm-hmm. um but no out the back because they had 
dozens and dozens and dozens of these big steel kind of vats, basically, um, for storage and management. And they have this really, as I say, I can't describe the vehicle apart from a kind of a stretched, a stretched forklift. Um, but it was cool. It had off-road tires on. Not, for, a telly. From, Not a telly. No, it wasn't quite a telly, but it had it had similarities to that. But then it also similarities to a high ab. So I, anyway, it was it was an yeah. awesome machine, and I like that sort of thing. So that was Menzana. We then got back to what? Where were we flying to? Stuttgart. Yep, yeah, from Stuttgart. From, yeah. Stop. Got to Stuttgart. Is that where my lighter got nicked? Yes. Okay, so this was brutal. So um, I tend to well on this occasion booked the flights and that that side of things um, and. I had we had one check-in or two. No, we, we had, had two check-ins, one each, one under each name. Yes, but both the check-in bags I were actually my gear, um, and so in packed in uh, my effectively my overnight bag with some various other bits and bobs in, um, and that was checked in his name. We got through security. We got through all the levels. So we were sat waiting. Past passport control. Past passport. Yeah. In, in our own little glass kind of oh. prison. Yes. And uh, then over the tannoy, first time something that sounded a bit like Sealy. Uh, came over the tannoy and saying something go to security go to security etc etc so we did what we would normally do and, and completely ignore it and then the second time that happened and in between that we were accosted by uh, Bundes police to check that we didn't have lots of money yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fools I just showed him a photo of my Subaru and he was like oh no we have no problems here um, they were very friendly but in a very sinister sympathetic way. but friendly yeah <laughs> yeah but they were you know when people are nice but you know they've got guns that was that was my feeling because they had guns they can be nice because they've got guns yeah exactly don't have anything to prove we could just shoot you yeah exactly um so that happened then it came over again and so uh in sort of tried to call airport security from the other side and they said oh just come through security and they said i can't because there's like men with guns and stuff and so they sent a security guard to come and collect you yes. who then came and you were faced in a small small room with multiple security guards and my bag my Every, everybody wearing rubber gloves and looking at me expectantly <laughs> and you're just trying to hide your arousal just <laughs> hearing the unzipping of uh, trousers around <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's this game again, is it? <laughs> um, and anyway, so then my bag was opened, and in there I had a uh, a Davidoff lighter that I have treasured for over fifteen years. It's like a jet lighter. It's a jet lighter, and I've travelled all over the world with it, and it is my it, it it is of great value. I was given it by a dear friend who's no longer with us, and it was a special piece of kit. Uh, anyway, they said it is too powerful to be taken on an aeroplane, even in check-in baggage. Um, and so Ian valiantly fought for half an hour to, uh, you know, could you send it by post or something? Could we come to some arrangement? Can you just pretend you didn't see it? Well, I, said, I said, could I put it in my pocket? And I went, no. And, All right, fair enough. Yeah. So anyway, I lost that. And it's good. I, I then looked how much it would cost to replace it, and we're talking hundreds and hundreds. So, uh, yeah. So that was the the bitter aftertaste of of our trip to Germany, despite the fact that I had taken that object to everywhere, even America. I had that. that I took that to California, um, but hey ho, I'm not bitter much. Um, so that was our German trip, and then we came back. And um, where did we? No, you went next. Was was back to I France. Went, I went over to Tours again. Mm. To tour, not tours. You don't pronounce the S. I wouldn't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Detailing show over in France again. It's really nice to uh, to catch up with everybody over there again. Obviously, saw the likes of Fictech, uh, who Benoit, Benoit, lovely who's Benoit, our, uh, who's our French distributor now as well. Yes. Um, Although it's quite funny, he said, uh, "Don't deliver any magazines till September because we're uh, the whole country is on holiday yeah, for all of down. August." I mean, at least they're not on strike. You know, rioting. <laughs> I just, I just love the idea of being like, just the whole country just stops for a month, just 
bizarre. No, there were some really interesting exhibitors there this year as well. Uh, there was uh, Crytex again were yep. there uh, in, in force. Um, Do we know where they actually come from? Because I think I accidentally called them Russian last time and they're not Russian. But they are Russian. I, I'm going to steer away from this conversation. I... I the, their offices are currently not based in Russia, and I couldn't comment one way or the other where they are actually from. But they did have lots of very cool blacked out 4x4s. I don't, I don't, no, let's just not encourage those 4x4s to come here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Stir the pot if you don't have to. No, honestly, <laughs> I don't actually know for sure where they're from. No. Uh, they are, um, but they've got a massive following over in Europe now. Mm. Um, lots, of, uh, lots of money being pumped into the to the coating brand and you know they were one of the title sponsors of mm. detailing show this time around as well uh also caught up with diamond protec yes uh, from switzerland. switzerland yeah that have the uh, the nano diamond mm. coating um, we've got we, a couple of boxes out here we really ought to actually do some more have, testing have a bit on that. more of a play with that yeah but uh hopefully we'll be going over and seeing them at some point in the near future talking to uh, roberto the, mm-hmm. one of the um one of the owners and yeah, actually, really interesting background to him as well. He used to work for the United. Well, no, he used to work to to do weapons contracts, um, and had to be on basically on uh, first name terms with all of the foreign ministries around the world. Because any time you export a weapon, you have to get multiple countries that have contributed parts to that weapon to sign so, off on yeah. it. So to make one delivery, you had to go to five countries, meet up with <laughs> one of the most powerful people in the country, and say, "Oh, would you mind if I uh, sell to these guys?" <laughs> Uh, so yeah, no, that really interesting history, and actually quite a lot of very interesting tech behind the product. Hence why we're quite keen to go over and see it being made, manufactured, demonstrated. Yeah, and um, and there's quite a lot going on in Switzerland from a detailing point of view. We've got obviously Swissol slash Swissfax. Yeah, be nice to go yeah, over and see them as well. Yeah, um, and then they got the cowbells and the cuckoo clocks. That's yes. always good. Um, but also, it's quite nice and mountainous. Um, I can't Lying take on a hill with a lonely goat herd. Yeah, like I, I know I can't take any of my cars there. None of them meet any of the environmental requirements. I won't make it either. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, that the was... The environmental requirements are the trail of oil behind it. It's not the emissions. <laughs> yeah. well, it is the emissions. They're just a little bit more liquid than most. <laughs> and hey, if the engine doesn't start, it's not making any emissions. Um, so then I went back to Germany and went to Decon, uh, which was cool. And I went in uh, tandem with the legendary Dave Kendall, of Lake Country, along with Justina Bree, mm-hmm. Briss, uh, who is now Lake Country, but at the time it was all very much in the air, but she's very much now Lake Country. And Dave can now no longer drive in Germany? Yeah, so we, we <laughs> um, it was hilarious because we turned up to the car rental desk and Justina uh, kind of, he engaged Justina and Dave, I just stood awkwardly at the back as per, and uh, just the, the, the car rental man was flirting madly with Justina and saying, oh, you look like you need a fast car and stuff like that. And she turned around and said, oh, I like a Mercedes. And then, so he basically said, I can get you a Mercedes E400 AMG and her eyes lit up and she was like, yes, yes. And then he turned to Dave and said, that'll be 280 euros more than please, sir. <laughs> at which point he hands over the dollar and then Justina says, I've got us this car. And I'm like, yeah. I could have done that on the website. Yes. (laughs) But anyway, we then go to the VIP because we've we've flown there before, wherever it was. Was it Hanover? Yes. Uh, And uh, it was the same kind of VIP collection area that we went to. 
and uh, got in, and it, it was... A, but it was exactly the same VIP collection we went to. Yes. But we got our car from... It was the same time. place where we got the GT Audi thing that you yeah. got you got into. E-tron. And, um, yeah, got in there, and then <laughs> it's supposed to take about an hour and ten minutes from there. We were traffic all the way, stop-start, took us four hours, we missed dinner, and we got in after a very long day uh, at about... I think we got in about 11. Thankfully... Moritz had organised. I, I I called ahead to Moritz and said, "Look, this is pretty pretty devastating stuff here. We haven't eaten all day. It's going to be late. It's pouring with rain. We're in traffic, and I'm in a Mercedes." And he took sympathy and um, managed to steal from an event going on at a neighbouring like thing. Just steal all the. Uh, I don't want to call them canapes. It was mostly just sausage and leftovers. soup. Leftovers. <laughs> yeah, leftovers. But it was good it was all sausage. All in the bag. You put it around your neck, and you, no, know, you just went to town. A huge cauldron of of sausage, uh, and and it was all spicy sausage. So that's all I had. I ate probably about a kilo and a half of it. And then I went to a club once called the Cauldron of Sausage. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, and and yeah, so we got in. And then the following day, we 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 did the show, and it was really good. It was bigger and but a bit more space. Um, and no, I, I I thought it was fun. And then we had stupidly because Labo were there for the first time this year. They were, they? and Reggie was there, and Reggie had a strap on camera. Um, not. Is there a comma in there? Yeah, yeah <laughs> just quite clear. But walked around basically filming his life. He said there wasn't enough time to do separate stuff, so he just straps a camera. To oh, him he has chest does, cam, doesn't he? Yeah, like Iron Man. It's, yeah, it's but, nipple shot. Yeah, and um, he slightly, was doing slightly shitter Iron Man. <laughs> Less of the flying, more of the hey, hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was it was quite funny because he's got lots of groupies as Reggie because he's an awesome legend of a man. And uh, so we were often hiding behind the scenes together, uh, drinking the free coffee to avoid all the mostly young men throwing themselves at him. A Dutch Let's person going after free stuff. <laughs> no, I that was me. <laughs> uh, and the girls from Auto Mechanica were there as well. Um, uh, yes, and handed me spy photos of you and me that they'd taken when we were at Auto Mechanica. Uh, I haven't seen these. We, no, I've got them on th- literally thirty-five mil um, analog. And I, is it it's like a bush in the photo as well? <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit bit strange. And um, anyway, so that was good. And then yeah, the, because it was a bank holiday weekend, Dave had decided that we ought to get six o'clock flights home, so we actually get home in time for having a.m. AM, yeah, for for having a, a thing, which meant that we had to be up at two o'clock in the morning, and then uh, again pouring with rain, but no traffic this time. Dave on the way home was not driving particularly fast. I've never really seen him drive that fast, and it was only an E four hundred AMG, so it doesn't really go that fast. But anyway, he got a speeding ticket, and he has a uh, he showed me a photo of his letter that he's received from Germany. Um, one of the few benefits I would have thought we get from Brexit is not have to do it, but apparently we do, and uh, it was from Herr Wanker. Uh, I shit you not, um, literally. And it's a picture of him looking sort of slightly grumpy at the wheel. And even though it's pitch black in the rain, it's still, no. you can tell it's Dave mm-hmm. um, with his thing. And he's, he's being bollocked for doing, it's something silly, like 42 kilometres in a in a 30 kilometre zone. I'm never sure if you do actually have to pay those or not. No, I don't think he's going to take the risk because he is obviously international sales manager and therefore yeah. needs to go back to Germany without getting shot. Um, so, so yeah, that was that was the end of that one. But well, still. Fine as long as he doesn't pack a jet lighter in his suitcase. <laughs> um so that was that was decon and obviously detailing show and then i went to rap fest at silverstone Mm -hmm. which was interesting um lots of stairs just an fyi if you're at silverstone and i don't know how many people have been silverstone before but if you're going to like the exhibiting center in the middle uh you have to go all the way up over the sky bridge all the way down and then a little way up again and when you're lugging 30 i think about 38 kilos of camera kit it means that when you enter the show and you've got the very pretty, scantily clad ladies, because obviously it's rapping and that's cool, um, doing the tickets. And they you turn wrap up, their scantily clad ladies. They 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 were in, in painted. In, in I didn't touch. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I turned up basically sweating like a horse and because horses are known for sweating. And um, yeah, just made a tit of myself basically and just stammered like a little boy. Uh, but anyway, it was an interesting show. Angel Wax were there. Uh, with a new newish line of PPF that they're teaming up with another company that's I believe is US based, but there's also some European, possibly German connections or Swiss. I can't remember. Um, and um, some cool cars outside and a really cool DJ van lorry deck thing, which was cool. Um, yeah, and they had a Tonka toy pickup truck done like a Tamiya. Um, You've missed kit. one. You went to uh, Serum Summit as well. Went to Serum Summit, Mercedes Benz World. That was before Rampers. That was before, yeah. Yep. That was a cock up because, well, I, it wasn't, it was great, but I, <laughs> I cocked up because I turned up in my little red Fiesta van and all the car parks were full of these Mercedes. And I was like, okay, well, this clearly isn't where I'm supposed to park. So I ended up in an aviation museum and I got distracted because I love aeroplanes. So I just. That sounds like a bonus. Wandered around there, yeah. And then that I came back. Brooklands, wasn't it? Uh, no, uh, yes, yes, it was Brooklyn's. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so then I called, in fact, Dave Kendall again and said, where the hell is everybody parking? And he gave me the name of the car park. I went there and it was full of Mercedes. So lots of old drivers who are going to dent my, my doors and stuff like that. So I went and parked in a hotel car park. And then um, I fear got parking ticket, but it might have blown off. <clears throat> so uh, yeah, that's what happened. And Serum Summit, though, really nicely put on. I, I thought it was really good and it's what the industry needs. Uh, I know... I, well, I think the numbers expected didn't quite get there in reality, but I think that G-Technic particularly should be massively applauded for going through all the effort. It's not a moneymaker for them, um, and uh, it's more brand awareness, but I think it's really good for the, the industry, and I think it should be supported, and I think more brands, the only complication you've got is they're non-competing brands. So it's a show where you've got one coating supplier, you've got one PPF supplier, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera, which is grand, um, but it's the thing where Waxstock does better is because you can go to see 10 coating suppliers in a day and, you know, think think about it. So, um, no, but still, it's a good show and it was good to meet the Eurable guys as well mm -hmm. um, and various other people. So that then was... Then after Rap Fest, sorry, I'm, pu I'm pushing through this because it was supposed to be a 20-minute section and we're already on 40 minutes. Holy bollocks, right. Uh, well, we did PVD tour as well. Oh, no, you missed one. Automechanica UK. Automechanica UK. Do you want to talk about that? You were there too. Yeah, I, I, I arrived there. We, we ended up having to pay £17.50 for car parking, didn't we? Absolute freaking nightmare. And I, wouldn't, I, was, I wouldn't mind if it was at least like next to the front door, but yeah, they'd had to walk for 10 or 15 minutes to actually get to the front door. Yeah, and I was in, we, 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 we took my electric thing and we, you know, no no polar bears were harmed or anything like that. And I feel like I should be applauded for, you know. But no, you actually have to pay extra at the NEC to park in a, a charging space, yeah. which you then have to pay for. God, I hate Birmingham. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit unfair dosing everything on Birmingham for that. But the last time I went to Birmingham, I then got fined in VOD for, for driving a, you know, because I don't have a brand new Tesla. Um, I didn't have the electric car then, to be fair. And, um, I, I, yeah, they fined me for going into the centre of Birmingham, which seemed to be full of what looked like 14-year-old boys driving £400,000 Mercedes G-Wagons um, around town with the windows open looking sinister. Um, and that's yeah. a G wagon thing. It is a G wagon thing, but it was it was bizarre, absolutely bizarre. Um, so no, still don't like it. But you know, uh, first um, first edition of the detailing hub in the UK. Obviously, Auto Mechanica in Frankfurt had the first one last year with Auto Lecafen presenting that, and it was a really well curated event. Uh, we went over there to do a presentation at the Auto Mechanica UK. Uh, they had Rich, uh, who was on, who's 
the last, last penultimate, the penultimate guest on the last season of the podcast. Yes. Uh, hosting it uh, as UK Detail Academy, curating some little talks and everything like that. Yeah, loads of live. We had uh, Gliptone did lots of live stuff. Flex did lots of live stuff. Uh, Lake Country did some live stuff as yeah. well. Uh, and it was good to see these kind of main... No, uh, so we would call them mainstream detailing brands. But to see niche detailing brands in the mainstream aftermarket industry. Yeah, it depends on the pond you're in effectively, doesn't it? Yeah. It was it was like a little bit of the detailing pond sort of dribbling over into the reservoir of of the automotive aftermarket. Oozing maybe. Oozing, yeah. <laughs> and then it was funny because there were also some people like Lucas and a couple of others, Liquid Molly and people like that, I think, um, who are more in the aftermarket who are kind of bleeding over into the, the, the detailing product. I mean they're more retail garage sort of products, uh, but still uh, it's a you know potential coming together. So that's yeah, so that was good. that was a good. Uh, we only went for the one day, but there was a three day event, and generally positive feedback all around. I think they just need to take what they learned from putting this first event on in two years when it comes back to the UK again. Um, if they can implement a few little tweaks to it, mm-hmm. I think they'll have a good, a good little uh, good little show within a show there. Yeah, needs evolution, and and I think it's also it's sort of expectations that I know the stand pricing was extortionate compared to other shows and i think that is it's there's a lot of administration involved in running anything at the nec particularly yeah that's symptomatic of the um of the location rather than it is and also it's a german company that's running through you know they've got some bods on the ground some is agency stuff so there's a big team behind it so it's a matter of, of tightening that up and um getting it slicker and then being able to provide it you know for, for more companies that can afford it so if it came in the same sort of price band as Waxstock, then i think they would be able to fill many more stalls and stuff and it could become you know a thing but uh that is cca uh we did a pbd tour around the country and that's in there too but uh if we went through that we would be at three hours by the time we finish so yeah, what we should do is we should write it all down put it in some sort of magazine folder that people can buy and read stupid bloody idea yeah, let's move on to um new products. A, a, yeah a quick glance over new products let's just pick our favorite from it we'll move this on a little bit yeah um okie okay, well do you want to talk about your renewable yeah, quite an interesting new little brand is Healy Super 8, based down in uh, Dorset. Corridor, Dorset, Dorset, Southwest, Southwest based. Um, Swade Healy's uh, been in Valentine for quite a long time, mm-hmm. and what's interesting about the products, the products themselves are, are perfectly, um, perfectly serviceable and good, is the concept he's taking. <laughs> dropping my pen, uh, concept of t- taking of making the containers all refillable. Mm. So in the in the short term, this is more for sort of locals who want to buy shampoo and wax and things like that. And once that's finished, they can bring it back to them and get a little bit of a discount just for refilling the bottles. What he would like to do is take this nationwide and you've got to say you kind of applaud him for yeah. pu- pushing that boat out. It's all part of the eco-drive stuff, waste less plastic. It's it balancing out between the cost of returning the bottle and the environmental impact of having to return a bottle to... Yeah. be refilled there'll be a ways around it um, well i've been a fan of this idea for ages i mean i've always suggested that somebody like spotless water for example who've already got a network can can tie up with manufacturers so i've talked to manufacturers i've talked to people about it but nothing happens and the one thing that strikes me is that with product development yes i'm sure in in five ten years time there will be car care products that are far superior to what we have at the moment but 
the differences between the next release and trust me we see all the new releases of all the products and we test them and yeah there, there might be incremental improvements but there's not that much headspace for it to get much much better so look at other avenues in which you can improve your product offering and one of them is the ecological side of it um, and the distribution side of it so if you do have refilling stations so people can go and refill it and they already have it in Germany in these wash zones you go because you're not allowed to wash well, your you car have it at in home the UK in, wait- in Waitrose for your yeah. laundry detergents don't you yeah yeah, and and it's a thing. Even hell, even in little old Malmesbury, there's a refill shop. There's, you know, and it's about being able to offer that facility, but with a broad range of products, and that involves people setting up places and then basically hosting, ugh, no, anything from twenty five liters to two hundred and fifty liters worth of given products, uh, and having an efficient distribution system. So, you know, if you look at distribution, the the, the A game in that is somebody like AutoSmart with their model in terms of getting bulk chemicals around. That's far superior to other models. Uh, which rely more on postal services and stuff like that. So there's, there's a there's a solution here, and I think Wayne has 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 started it, and hopefully you'll be able to carry it through. Um, and it's a time it, thing at the end of the day. If it, it's time a money. very time consuming thing to try and organise, if you did yeah. it, great. Uh, a couple of other little things I found that were quite interesting in there was a glaze kind of product that's actually come out. I think with better results than the winner of our last glaze maker test in yeah. 12, if not better than at least on a par with uh, from quite a surprising, I suppose, manufacturer. So you can have have a, uh, a read of the magazine to find out what that is. Oh, I'm such a t- <laughs> <laughs> And the last thing, if for me, is the two Rupes uh, panel wipes, mm. uh, which we featured in the last new products, but because they were only released at SEMA a week or two beforehand, we didn't actually have our hands on them, so we wanted to give them a little bit of a an actual trial. And whilst the light's very good on its own, Strong is probably the main contender of them, and I think has probably replaced uh, G-Technic panel wipers, our kind of ultimate benchmark for mm. something that will get rid of absolutely everything it's not the sort of thing you want to use on on every in every scenario bit like um bit like panel white wasn't mm-hmm. uh, gt panel white but i've just got the technic yeah. panel white wasn't um but if you want certainty that you're getting rid of absolutely everything on the surface that might be disguising um marring left behind yeah, it's a way strong has come up uh, top on that. Particularly as, as uh, compounds and particularly things like all in ones um, are getting better and better at providing kind of resistant acrylic fillers that are mm. pretty tough. And in the past, as you say, G Technic or Veritas have been the only things that really pull them out. Um, However, I did spray it on some very fresh paint as well on a panel that I was uh, playing about with. And yeah, yeah, you need to definitely only use it on very <laughs> cured paint because it just turned to jelly for oh, me. So. Lovely. Well, for me, the new product I really liked was uh, the Labo Cosmetica Glass Cleaner. And the thing is, so Labo have, which you will have seen by now, hopefully, otherwise I'm going to, to prison in Milan because it was under embargo. They have uh, got put their range into a new bottle design, which is really cool, and it's actually practical, and it's very bespoke, and it's got some real uh, metallic in the plastic, which is cool. Uh, however, one of the one of two new products, we had a tire dressing from them as well, but the is a glass cleaner. Now, it's, what's been weird is that Labo have been on the scene, as Labo at least, for, what, five years now? Four or five years uh, we went over there. It was issue that, eleven yeah. we saw them. But yeah, I think I think we we first went over there issue eleven and it was pre it was, it was already it was already a, a big brand in in Europe. Yeah, it was it was it was certainly getting there. The first actually I saw was twenty seventeen when we went to Holland on a Euro tour and Dino van Middendorp yeah. uh, had it there. So yeah. it was fairly new at that point, definitely. But anyway, so all this time, um at least six years, um and they don't have a glass cleaner. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Mafra, the, the the kind of the parent company that makes lots of car care products, has has lots of glass cleaners, but but not Labo. And Labo's got this ethos of uh, we don't make something unless we can improve on what's already on the market. And glass cleaners are pretty straightforward, to be honest. I mean, you get your your different types. Um, and we did a glass cleaner mega test, and we definitely found some are better than others. But we're talking small increments. None of what was in the glass mega test was a bad product. Um, but Labo developed a gel-based formula so it's not thick but it's certainly thicker than a liquid so it has kind of a cling element to it and we feel that yeah it's significantly better as a glass cleaner in most situations um so i was was impressed with that and they stick to the ethos a lot of companies we go and talk to will will feed us um their philosophy and they'll say this is what we do this is what we believe in this is our values and you sit there and think yeah that sounds like any other mission statement first time we went to the labo um i was up with uh, marco the the head honcho and he gave me a card and made me read their philosophy in sort of four or four lines off the back of it and it was quite scary but i did it and um one of them was was never bring out anything unless you can guarantee that it's going to be better what's really on the, on the market and they stick to it so I, I applaud them for that side of things and they've got rid of the hashtags they have haven't they and i tell oh, you look, what, from the two products we've seen anyway yeah well i think it is so they had a i uh, saw the promo video on the new bottles and they had a, a an artisanal yes. italian sort of drawing what the bottle should look like in pencil and artisanal I, Artisanal, yeah, Is it? yeah, you feel it. Good to know. And uh, the brushes, <laughs> and the, I, I can just see. I don't know if this happened. This is just complete imagination. But I can see uh, Marco saying it must have the hashtags because everybody's on social media, and that's why they have them. So it's all automatically hashtagged. And the artist man saying no. The hashtags are not elegant. They're Having not pretty. a square glasses meltdown. <laughs> yeah, into exactly. his polo neck. And then they had a couple, yeah, a fight. You know, the argument over whether they should have hashtags or not. You've got Marco, the hardcore Italian. You've got the designos, like you know, twiddling with his paintbrushes or whatever, throwing two uh, B pencils at him. <laughs> yes. So this is what I expect happened, but there's there's absolutely no evidence to support it whatsoever. Um, maybe they just had a calm conversation and made a decision. So uh, you've you've been there before. Yes. <laughs> um so yeah so it's cool and then the new design is cool the only thing is is the, the they've kept the same bottle lid size and so if you accidentally break the spray on the top of a labo bottle you have to sacrifice the spray from another labo bottle because nothing else fits it it's like a 24 mil but with a weird pitch uh, and they haven't changed that so it still means just look after your triggers um and then we go into hardware section um and Erin, you you went 3D bonkers. Yeah, well, we did a couple of products before this, but uh, did a little article at the end on the emergence of 3D printed accessories that are now coming onto the market more and more. Flex released a load of free-to-use um, designs that you could have printed or print yourself if you have a printer um, for things like little pad holders and machine holders and things like that, which is quite cool. I did a bit of a dive into Thingiverse, which is a, a big collection of um Designs, publicly available yeah. design that people just make and you can print out versions yourself like guns and we looked at what's available on the market and the the only major manufacturer and designer of uh 3d stuff at the moment though there are a couple of odd little bits and pieces here and there is aps in germany we spoke auto fledged shop auto shop um Showing and off. we had a chat with felix the owner over there who sent us over some of his bits and we put them to the test ourselves and we gave two bits to steve mcmahon of geeky detail reviews to give us a bit of an independent assessment we gave him a really cool little uh scan grip attached light uh, clip on light for the pxe and a brush holder for the pxe and it's quite cool all of these little bits because they've for the pxe because they've actually been sent down to flex 
um, or rather Felix said the first couple of bits he did over to Flex to say, hey, what do you guys think of these? And they came back and went, yeah, these are really cool. Um, you can use our quick release yeah, design in there. Patented. Yeah. Yeah. So they're fairly open to letting third parties do little attachments for Which them. Which is really good because a lot of companies, I can see a lot of companies uh, worldwide would be taking great offence that if you were creating basically and go, unofficial we'll have accessories. That design, thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. So no, had, 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 you know, clap hands for Felix on doing that. Um, the testing with Steve did not go entirely according to plan. No, no, well, it was, it highlights some of the if you like deficiencies that you can get with um, with 3D printing. It's not perfect. There are various different types of 3D printing, which we go into in the article. Um, but that's also offset by the prices of some of these things. Because mm. even buying these things from, uh, from APS, for a tiny little accessory that if you were to have printed up in, uh, sorry, um, manufactured in injection mold and things like that, you'd have to order thousands at a time to make it worthwhile doing and because of that you've got to put a ten thousand pound order together which means you have to charge pretty 10 15 quid per item just to make it worthwhile whereas because you can print these on demand some of these bits and pieces are like two three euros for Mm. a really useful little attachment so that's the payoff if you want higher quality things, then you're going to have to pay more for it because it's going to have to go through a different manufacturing process. Mm. But there is potential, particularly with 3D printing, there are some uh, more advanced versions of 3D printing which would make tools that are, are stronger or have better properties. So, Which you can read about in the article. Yeah, indeed. Uh, for me, hardware, I had to go back to sound like a bloody fanboy, but the um, carpet brushes by Labo, where they had polyester brushes on the outside and brass uh, mm-hmm. filaments, would you call them, I guess, uh, on the inside of it. And everybody was going, Bristles. Bristles, that's it. Um, go, oh, you don't want to use brass. It's going to do all sort of damage. Well, actually, brass isn't that Dangerous if you if it's no used no correctly. not when it not when it's this thing. it's not like a wire brush but it's got really stiff bristles these are really fine brass bristles that are able to get in between fibers effectively mm. and remove dust and ingrained dirt from in between fibers but still maintain the strength of those thicker polyester outer brushes so you're able to go into uh, sort of a lot of a finer gradient if you like mm. you know it was good and they got one for carpets one for seat upholstery and I'm trying to remember the name of the man who I'm sure was involved in the development of them Franco Franco, that was it. Um, and he's he, I saw he's been given an award by um, Reggie. In fact, was on, on my feeds this morning. Not sure what it was because it was all in foreign, but, you know, an award has been given. Good. So that's good. Um, guide section, in, in brief, because uh, we are... How many minutes are we on now? 53. 53, marvellous. So I went down to the south coast and uh, met a man about a boat um, at JDK, in fact, and uh, we played around with this. It was a Princess V39, which was a kind of a big, for me, it was a big boat. For him, he was like, no, it's just a little little runaround for the rich and famous sort of thing. Um, and we learned about polishing. We learned we were using some Menzerna, some Zvisa, and he had uh, a couple of Flex, a couple of Rupes, an Udos, and something else as well, using pretty much every machine and pad. Sort and of 21 combo. as well, didn't they? 21, yeah, under the sun. And that was good. Um, so we're hoping to do a bit more on boat detailing and go and, you know, learn a bit more about gel coat and stuff like that in future issues. So this is like just kicking off uh, on a basic clean prep and polish. Yeah. Next, we had a little look at alloy wheel protectors. There's a few on the market now. We picked three of what we perceive to be the most popular um alligator wheel love and rim blades Mm -hmm. Uh, they all offer something very different to the end user depending on what you're using it for um obviously alligator are adhesion free so they actually held in by the tire whereas rim blades and wheel love are adhesion 
which almost look like they should be exactly the same, but there are some mm. differences further down. Um, I should also say that the rim blades do another type of um, protector called yeah, Rimfinity. Rimfinity. We didn't include that because it's not really a, a DIY applicable uh, protector because you do have to force the tire off the bead, which is further than I ever bother to go. But yeah, yeah. So and also it's price wise because the, the, they came in with a you know oh massive price differences between them um, between rim blades, which I think were about thirty five forty quid for the set. I can't remember off my head. Mm. Uh, Wheel loves were about one hundred and forty quid for the set. So you've got this massive price gap in between them, and you it's up to you to work out if paying an extra 100 quid for a set is is worth it for the difference in protection you mm. get and the and the ease of application yeah ease of application alligator you have to lift the car off the ground deflate the tire bang these um protectors mm. in but conversely if you knock them and they cast they can be knocked back into us to in, in many mm. cases whereas uh wheel of and rim blades if they contact the curb and they're ripped off then you have to replace them completely which means taking all the adhesive off the tire mm. off the wheel and recleaning it and putting a new one on ordering a new one in the first place so yeah different strokes um have a, have a read yeah absolutely um and then we had a dry ice article with dan of reflect automotive detailing valeting valeting detailing in uh epping in essex and he is not the first i know he's not the first but one of the first people to have a dry ice machine in the uk he's his is a dry ice energy vario which is quite a high-end machine um, we know dry ice energy from germany in fact i jumped on gernot who's the owner of it uh, at decon to get some further information and we actually did quite a lot of research i had a, a couple of hours on a video conference with some technical people and gernot um going through that um and we took some bits and bobs over he dan had a uh old fiesta xr2i or rs turbo or something like that and it was before my time there from the 90s and um we're showing us all the different surfaces it does and doesn't work on and and so we kind of try to put together a guide that was kind of explains the limitations and the strengths of dry ice uh, and also a little kind of angle on the business side of dry ice as in you know if you're a detailer and you're thinking oh should I get into this uh, go in with your eyes open um, it's definitely a good idea for some but it might and it's definitely not for everybody so uh, we try to provide something that can at least help you with that decision making process. Uh, and the final article was a monster wasn't it? It was a, it's a long old read we, we even mark it as long read on the um uh, on, on the pages but it uh, was a fantastic mike phillips mm. uh who is now dr beasley's mike phillips announced this, this morning this yeah. morning i think told us was. last week um and he's done an entire article on two different types of glass polishing topical and subsurface subsurface so that runs through getting things like etch marks and bits like that off of the off the glass and how you go about that and then tackles getting deeper scratches out although there are obviously limitations to what you can remove as we found in our mm. edit back in issue 12 i think it was yes when we we tried um with uh seri glass and various other bits and bobs didn't we yeah and with limited success and yep. much swearing yep absolutely so it's a really nice long article loads of photos loads of uh loads of knowledge in there so worth having a read through uh and the glass subject brings us very nicely onto mega test which we'll come back to after the break 
Issue 17 of the Pro Detailer magazine is available for pre-order now at www.prodetailermagazine.com. If you would like to pick up a copy first, you can also go to Waxstock, which is this coming weekend at Coventry, Saturday afternoon and Sunday. And all those who pre-order will be sent out before the show, so it should arrive just before the show or shortly after, and it will be on general release the following week. So now we are going to go back into the mists of time when we were joined by Mr. John Delu mid-mega testing uh, to give you a little bit of insight in how all that worked. So we're joined here by Mr. John of Delu of Forensic Detailing. Howdy, guys. Good to see you all again. Indeed, indeed. It's been quite a hectic couple of weeks for us a lot, hasn't it? It has. We've been doing... In-depth testing on these glass sealants with one aim of finding out what is the best product. It, it, it's been a, a, a mega, mega session. So yourself has come in and we um, decided to do glass sealants. God knows why we decided that, because they're bloody difficult to test. But the alternative was ceramic coating, so <laughs> yeah, the lesser of the evils. <laughs> so uh, we thought for a second, okay, how are we going to test all the different aspects of glass coatings? Because the main thing about them is about water repellency when you're driving along, and if you turn your lights off in the snow and then just put on, like, one fog light or something, it feels like Star Wars. It's quite fun if you do it 120 miles an hour. Not that we are condoning such behaviour, but do it. Um, when have you gone 120 miles an hour? Quite regularly, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, you beat the train. Downhill. <laughs> so um, the, uh, that's one element. But the other element is how long they last, how easy they are to put on, how well they resist or how easy they are to de-ice uh, de in winter, how easy they resist or how well they resist misting up in, uh, you know, when you're hot and sweaty in your motor car. Yeah, and how much they cost yes. is important as well, isn't it? So, in order to that end, what we've been doing, we've been we've really well apportioned duties this time because you have taken uh, all the potions home to you down in. Uh, I always want to say Dungeness, but it's not. Where is it? Ogneregis. That's the one. And same sort of principle. Um, and Where's Dungeness? <laughs> Kent. It's stony uh, and nuclear. It it sounds more Scottish. I go down there, live in a tent, and look at birds sometimes. Well, I did when I was young. Um, but anyway, there's an insight. The avian variety. Avian, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get much else down there, trust me. The bushes uh, get in the way. <laughs> <laughs> Very little bush there, actually. Um, quite a lot of nets, though, for catching sparrows. Anyway, never mind, never mind. Um, so we, we, we're getting diverted, but you, you took them back with you along with a, a, a camera, a proper camera, rather than one of your vlogging, like, YouTube-y yeah. thingamajiggles, and, and did what I would describe as real-world testing on your BMV? Yeah. I mean, it's very simple. We took all 12 products... And I prepped them with a, an identical process to bare bone them using the, the 3D glass polish mm -hmm. and then 50-50 wiped down with water and uh, IPA. And then I started each product following the manufacturer's instructions from that point onwards um, with a caveat that if the product then said, like maybe the Nanolex, that you should use their glass polish, you know, mm -hmm. to prep the glass. We'd already done that. So it's really starting from the application point and following their instructions. How do you get on with the uh, 3D glass polish out of interest? Very good. Yeah, very good. Water, Nice and water soluble. So you use it. Um, it doesn't dust. You just whiz over it. I use the, the force rotation and the round pad. Just, I'm not trying to polish the glass, just trying to get off the previous film. And then if you 
you give it a buff and then you, you can go on with some water and it just melts the product off the screen. You've got the hydrophobic film. Very good, actually. In fact, I think I might pick some of that stuff yeah. up. Well, it's relatively new. They've been developing it for ages. I know Mike Phillips last year bought some over and did some demos after Waxstock yeah. at Kelly's. And uh, no, it was awesome. In fact, Uncrashable 3 was the test vehicle on the two days. So it might, the, 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 the uh, windscreen has been polished by Mike Phillips. It doesn't dry out either, which is really nice. Some of them mm. vape very, very quickly and then you're drying a crust off. This stuff stays workable and then when you want to get rid of it fully, water just melts it off and it's nice to get out of the pad. So yeah, I'll probably actually pick up a bottle and do a little review on that because it's good stuff. Happy days. But um, yeah, going on to the products, there is a big difference between like how you apply these. We have almost two categories of products consumer grade where you get quite a lot of product and then the professional grade where you get a relatively small amount maybe as little as one or two applications <laughs> unless it's car pro in which case you get about four mil but we think yeah, that might be a manufacturing issue yeah yeah very yeah, it was hardly any of the car pro product then we you know some of these products as well they want you to apply two or three layers because it ensures that you're going to get a proper covering but then when it comes to ease of application, you've got to do everything in three times. And then suddenly you think, ask yourself the question, which one would I like to apply out of all 12 of these? If I had to do this as a professional or if I had to put it on my car as a hobbyist, what one would I want to reach for? And that's what was in my head all the way through doing these. Also paying close attention to the residue that you have to buff and how you have to buff it and how awkward it is to get that residue off. And there was a difference. Some of the residues were tough. Some of them were oily and you've got to chase them out. Some of them were absolutely brilliant and, mm. you know, really surprised me because I've always felt glass sealants are a bit fiddly, you know, and you know, and you could see everything through the glass. So it's got to be crystal clear. And they all claim, you know, a crystal clear finish, but some of them... A lot harder to get that crystal clear. Well, that's something finish. you're going to be looking at, isn't it? It's yeah. You're going to be taking them on the road to uh, have them professionally yes. assessed for clarity. By yeah. row pointable people. Yeah. So that's, so we've got another test, haven't we? And we're going to call that transparency because that's what this device. I'm glad you finished with the trans with that. Yeah. I, it was a trans something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can't call them that. Well, you can. You know, I, I identify as uh, slim when I'm a bit bulky. I'm trans slender. Um, <laughs> Aerodynamic. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so the transparency, we're going to row point. Hopefully, we've got to confirm the details with them. We know they have a device that measures transparency of glass. So we're going to look to put all these products out on tiny glass um, squares. Test, yeah, the, test slides, really. Yeah, and that's going to be a challenge, following the manufacturer's instructions as close as we can. Um, and then measuring the transparency of those test pieces. And we're reliant on... We want a machine that's very sensitive so it can pick up differences. If it's not sensitive enough, we don't know. We might put them all through and they all come up with a reading of one. So, uh, indeed, you know. And that, that's the joy of this. But it's, yeah. it's, it's a weird, there's a mix between what I call kind of empirical and qualitative yeah. evaluations. So, for example, when you're doing ease of use, it is uh, evaluative. It's not empirical. Yeah. But at the same token... There is significant difference between these, both in terms of how what how many stages the instructions force you to go through, yeah. uh, and uh, also in terms of actually doing things. In terms of you know, they'll all say right, or all but a couple say right, buff off. For some, that's a ten second job. For yeah. others, it's a ten minute job. Yeah, so it's that time factor as well. Exactly. Uh, a, we were commitment. talking about this. If you've got to wait like half an hour for a product to cure, and you've got to do two layers, that's an hour of time spent waiting for a cure yes you're going to go and do something else but there's so many jobs to do if you're if you're a professional and you're trying to do a detail that involves protecting the car as well in one day you're going to be at it foot to the floor 
going through this process as quick as you can. And anything which slows you down is a negative. So there's that balance. Uh, so the professional grade products, you're expecting to get more performance out of them. But the trade-off seems to be a higher cost per application and perhaps a more involved application. And what I want to know from this test, is it really worth it? Or mm. are you best off buying a product which is good, can get near to the durability of these professional ones, but it's a fraction of the cost and is an absolute piece of cake to apply and it's pretty idiot-proof? That, um, that's the thing, because if you're an enthusiast and you say you're doing your, your car once every other week, just for argument's sake, with the products, I mean, we've been doing the durability testing already and, and they're all doing fairly well so far. If there's a product that is as easy to put on as, say, Infinity Wax, which is an easy one of, of, of the category, um, I'd be happy to do that as part of my wash procedure every fortnight. Yeah. Whereas, for example, the more in-depth, say, G-Technics. So that's quite nice to put on, but you do have to put two layers, one one circular, one vertical, three one horizontal, three, three layers. layers. Yeah. That one. Three layers with, with how long bit between each coat? Five, minutes? five, and then 15, and the final wipe down with a residue remover. So that's an example of one that's going to be a bit more involved. But is the trade-off then you know you've got a really strong application because you've got three layers. Yeah, do I only need to do that once a year? In which case, it's actually much quicker overall. Yeah. So so that's going to be the trade-off. And also, in, in terms of, for a professional point of view, you want to be able to offer a glass sealant that lasts a long time. That's yeah. that's why you would spend, I mean, some of these kits we've got here are 70-plus quid, um, and they'll only do a couple of cars. But if, say, take Nanlex or CarPro or any of those, and you, you put them on, and the customer's like, wow, this is stuck for a year, and then it starts being off and they'll come back to you that works really well but yeah. if you're an enthusiast you know I, i've got no problem with using a quick squirt and wipe each time i mean I'd well i think one thing that goes in favor of the pro ones is that regardless of what you're using really to get the best results out of any glass sealant you should just strip down to a strip down polish yeah. and that is not something that everyone's going to do you know mm. but you should because it gets any film off of the car and you've got that crystal clear glass to start with it's all got no beading on it or no patches of anything you put on top of that you're much more likely to get better results so if you're going to go to that length and, and polish that glass out you could say well then it's a bit like coating a wheel if you're going to take the wheel off the car and prep it and clay it and decontaminate it and polish it would you then put a wax on it or would you then put a ceramic coating on so what we're looking for is that the pro grade products are like the equivalent of a ceramic coating for your mm. paintwork that give you that durability and then you'll pay the money. Same, you know, you will, people will pay the money for a coaching, even though it costs 10 times the price of just slinging a wax on there or whatever, because you don't have to then touch your paintwork for a couple of years in terms of polishing and decontamination. So. That's true. I mean, and the tech is interesting here because we, we've kind of broadly divided these two into what we think are what we call siloxane, which are easy to apply, but they don't bond as well, so they don't last as long, to silanes, which are more of a pig to apply. They're less hydrophobic, but they do have durability, and it's, it's the OH bonds that's up. Uh, I believe a hydrogen bond that happens between them, a kind of covalent bond. Um, so that uh, these kind of two techs, we've been presuming it that if it's in a small bottle and made by a uh, coating specialist, yeah. that it's going to be that basis. And if it's in a squirt and wipe made by a more retail friendly, it's going to be the siloxane approach. Yeah. We're not entirely sure that all the ones we're using are that are billed as nanotech coatings, should we call them, are in fact nanotech coatings rather than just normal stuff 
in small fancy pants bottles. Yeah. Now we, we don't want to throw accusations across because we don't have the chemistry to, to prove one yeah. way or the other. And either way, one would expect you couldn't have a high solids coating in a glass thing because of the transparency issues and the rest of it. So they could well be just in a way dumbed down paint coatings. Could be. I think some of them feel like they might have smaller amounts of ceramic material in them. You know, like coating resin, yeah, silane. Solids, yeah. Possibly some of them that are in the pro category might not, but as long as that that product delivers, I guess whatever's in there, we're not too interested in. But there's one thing we have noticed is that all these products are different. That's mm. that's for sure. That's a relief as well because yeah. there's nothing worse than if you're given a set of products to test and there are two or three that are so similar and you yeah. sit there thinking, I know that these are the same things in different bottles. Yeah. And the problem then becomes, um, you know, separating them and say, yeah. well, look, these are the same, so we have to go on price or on bottle quality or, or instructions and yeah. instructions or something. So G-Technic, for example, were brilliant instructions, yeah. whereas yeah. there are a couple, we feel there are actual errors in the instructions. There are a couple that say you don't buff it off at all. Yeah. And so we've been following those instructions. Well, they look rubbish on the glass. They they just, it can't possibly be right, but yeah. we have to follow the instructions because that's what the customers would do. Yeah, there's big variance in the instructions. To be fair, the, the sort of more retail-y ones are so informal. Some of them don't tell you, you know, they'll say clean the glass first and then apply it with a cloth onto the windscreen, wait for it to haze, buff it off, and that's the instructions. And potentially you could follow those instructions and have an awful application because you've got residues all over the glass mm. and you think this product's rubbish, but no, it's the prep. So I have... That's one part of my ease of application. I'm looking for the companies that have talked about the importance of proper prep. And a few of them have got it absolutely spot mm. on. And quite a lot of them don't even mention it. So there is that. So that's taken into consideration. Ease of application is quite speculative. Someone else could do this and come up with completely different conclusions. But I think, I think I've got a good idea of the ones that have done it well and have made the effort. And in combination with the instructions, the product, actually, you go through those instructions, you get a good application, it's easy to work with, it's not difficult to buff, and you've got a good finish, then you're in with a chance of getting the top marks in mm. that category. And I've, we still haven't done all the results of this, we're, 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 halfway, through, yeah. Yeah, we're halfway through durability testing, We've, I've done the ease of application, I've done a quick write-up that I've sent to you, but we still need to go through that and probably analyse it before we do those sort of grading if you like we've still got to do finish off hydrophobicity we've oh. got to do transparency we've done oleophobicity and a fair bit of hydrophobicity yeah we, th we... this isn't just um a marking we've pulled out of a hat this is based on a poll we put out to all of our newsletter readers to find out exactly what they the public want out of a coating now this might not be what a manufacturer thinks they want out of a coating the manufacturer might think they want want it to be rock hard and long lasting whereas actually they just want it to be very hydrophobic and they'll put it on every three months yeah this is what we're marking on what you the end user wants yes and and, and equally building on that the contestants in there because we've done quite a bit of social media on this and we get lots of people saying, oh put this product in this product in half which we haven't heard of to be fair yeah. and a lot of them obviously you know it's very international nowadays and these are products that aren't even available in the uk in some cases um but what i would say is we did do a poll asking people what was their favorite glass sealant and we have taken that very much as a steer to the products that are in here so again going back to gtech that was one of the most popular ones in there yeah um, we've added in a couple wildcards because there's one, for example, from an Italian company. Uh, they haven't released it yet. We haven't even got instructions. The SDS is in draft. Uh, all things like that, although it's impressing us so far. 
Um, and so we kind of took the prerogative to put this in because look, we know these guys do good stuff. So let's yeah. put it in and see what happens because nobody's heard of it because as far as they're concerned, it doesn't exist. Um, but we've also put in, and this is something I think is really important, what I call super retail products. Yeah. So mass market mass products market, that we yeah. all know of Rainex, Stoners, Ducksback. Um, Ducksback. Uh, but then we've got Soft 99, which have got tons of glass products. Then we've got big brands. I mean, I always think it's good to have Gion, CarPro, G-Technic in these tests. Yeah. And, they're like, and Nanolex. On and line. Nanolex, yeah. Um, you know, you want those pedigree coating brands in some of your tests because those brands kind of promise next generation cutting edge technology better than your kind of old whatever product it is. Yeah, know. the one your grandfather used. What, yeah. What's really interesting, though, is Gion. So they have got a kind of a ceramic feel to them, something like G-Technic. I'd say G-Technic has got more of a kind of a technical side to it, and Gion's a bit more, you know, sexy, floppy-haired types of people. <laughs> um, but the Gion one uh, is in an applicator, much like the Soft 99. It's in, a, in it's focused on ease of use. And we it don't is. think, or, I mean, they, I think they use terms like nanotech, but it's not... It's not so much of it got a coating appearance. I don't think the Gion is a coating. No. I think it's just it's it's in a very good bottle with the felt applicator built in, and I think it's just a glass sealant. So that one, you know, this was one thing I was that was going through my mind was could you just take Rainex, put it in a glass thirty mil bottle, and say hey, hey, yeah, because it does perform. We know that you know it's a solid product's been around for generations, and I was thinking that might be what's going is on. Is this new business for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the forensic glass. The new Mr. Fix, yeah, I'm going to just. Yeah, well, we know there are already ceramic brands in the UK where they literally buy it in, in like hundred mil or fifteen hundred mil and and decant into little bottles and, and sell as a, an apparent brand. Yeah, and, and it's especially that little coating bottle. So I was looking at these pro grade coatings and thinking these. Are these not these? Are these coatings, or are these just, you know, glass sealants in a coating bottle? But I think from testing them, with a few of them, I can spot that there's a difference. There's a, some similarity. So there might be tiny silane content and a little bit of, you know, mixed with some the siloxane mixed in with it or whatever. Mm. But they don't feel exactly like ceramic coatings to me, and they're no. probably not. They're, no, they're, they're, I'm sure they're. I mean, obviously, they're going onto a different surface from paint, yeah, and, and yeah. glass and paint do. They might look similar in terms of gloss, but they they are different. Yeah, and, and, and if you took an, if you took a ceramic coating and put it on glass, I think you'd struggle to apply it without seeing what, what's going on with the coating. You know, high spot on paint or some murkiness in the finish mm. you can deal with but if you if you deliver that to a customer on glass um it won't be acceptable and what does a coating do in terms of friction maybe the coating causes all sorts a coating will, could cause all sorts of problems with wiper judder and all that sort of stuff so we just yeah. don't know really well we tested that too with wiper judder just we have FYI. yeah that's important because I don't want to use detergents on it because then you're kind of testing the detergent you've, and then you've got the the compatibility between the detergent and the coating. It gets very, very complicated. We yeah. just do water pressure. I can adjust water pressure and say, right, this took a bar, this took five yeah. bar, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, those tests are good. They might be very hard to separate. That, that might be the problem. But what, what we're doing in this glass sealant mega test is we are taking a really good kind of approach, a testing approach, like I'm staring at the tilt table that, that Bert and Ian have built so that we can test roll down angles and hydrophobicity. And that's a really good approach. We measure the angle. We've got a set amount of product, uh, you know, water that we put down each time and we just do this test and it's going to give us reliable data on hydrophobicity. And mm. so it's things like that that separate this from just putting them on and just sort of pouring some water on them and think, you know, it's very difficult to test this without taking this kind of 
yeah. lab style approach, if you like. It's got to be a combination of both, isn't it? It has. And we've, I mean, we obviously don't have a lab. We have to think out the box. Because yeah, but this got, is what they use. And this, I mean, well, this still And we've got a test rig. How many detailing brands that have released a glass sealant have a test rig to test durability? I think some do. How many? Though? I can think of one. One. Uh, you're you're thinking of the other, Germans, aren't you? Yeah. You're thinking of Nanolex. Yeah. Um, I think GTEC had or have one. I think they do, but that's the only people who I would think have, have got one. However, one of them, who was it? Was it Carper? Said it's something like it's, it's gone through forty thousand wiper cycles. Mm -hmm. So they've might have done something or sent it off to be tested by a third party. But I, I do absolutely take your point. Yeah. Um, most of these people here have not. But then again, the glass sealant, there are compounds that you can basically buy prefab that you can then blend into your own product. And yeah. they're all owned by an Indian company, Merck or something like that, I think. Yeah. And um, so you actually find the active ingredient is the same in a yeah. lot of these. There's a limited amount of siloxanes that you could, that for this sort of application mm. so there might be some shared chemistry between them but I, i'm from applying them all they yeah, pretty different. much yeah, yeah there's some big differences between them as well one thing i've noticed that like we talked about all of the ones that are grippy to buff tend to have a higher chance of squeaking and squealing and then judder and juddering and, and less hydrophobicity that the, the uh, e yeah, a lot of the easy on ones are creating amazing beading it's like um something like bead maker or, or one of the qds that create or, or, or spray sealants they create amazing beading but they don't necessarily last and then there are ones that have less beading but they seem to go on and on yeah 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 so that it's i mean this will probably be one of the most comprehensive glass sealant tests ever done and i and I think we're we're it's testing a very narrow these. band. We're, we're basically <laughs> it is yeah. We're the only one, um, but I would say that the testing we're doing here is more than ninety percent of the brands would have done on their products because they haven't got a test rig. So how would they be able to do it without a test rig? You know, send it off to someone else, I suppose. So we're trying to test this properly. But at the end of this video, at the end of this, this magazine, is a podcast. You see, there are no cameras here, John. Uh, you know, my video, your magazine article, <laughs> this podcast. At the end, when we finish this, the recommendation will be a really good product. There might be, you know, there might be. You, it's hard to recommend one product because it's we're comparing apples with oranges, with bananas, with yeah. Everything. It's gonna be the best. We, we're gonna make it clear and easy for you to judge which is the best product for you and what you your value situation. in a glass coating. Yeah. So we may have a, a nominated winner. I suspect we might have two, possibly even three. We might have a podium. But either way, it'll be very much a matter of look, if you're interested in durability, you only want to do this once every couple yeah. of years. This is a product for you if money is no object and yeah. time is you know short term time is not an issue. Yeah. If you want to be doing this every weekend. You know, you want something easy and nice and stuff like that, then this is the product. You're going to have an overall winner in the magazine, though, don't you? You usually do, don't you? We, not always. Quite often, we, we'll have joint winners uh, or we'll have a podium. We probably, we, we don't know yet. If there's a standout, we've really got a couple candidates which yeah. are standing out it's in too various early categories. To say, isn't it? But yeah. it's too early to say if this, yeah. as an all rounder, justifies everything. So, for example, if the most expensive product here, which I, I think is CarPro, happened to be very easy to apply, which it isn't, and very hydrophobic and very this and very that, and very durable. Then yeah, we'd, we'd we'd say you know we'd we'd um, yeah. recommend it, but it's it's got to be a balance. We've got some which are costing what thirty or forty or fifty p per application, and some that are fifteen twenty quid yeah. per application. So that's where people have to read your full magazine article. Yeah, and because you're going to go through, you're, there's going to be the section on ease of application, the hydrophobicity, and by reading each of these sections, you'll start learning which ones are good in each category, and you might come to the end and think, well. Let's just say the Rainex, for example. I want something that's cheap. I want something I get loads of it and it can sit on my garage shelf for two, two years without going bad, and I can reuse it. 
Uh, and I just want to know that it's okay on durability. I don't want mm. it to be the last one. If it's in the middle order, that's good enough for me. And if it's not difficult to work with, I'll be happy with the Rainex, for example. Yeah. You'll get a lot like that, but then you'll have a lot of pros reading that are, give me the most high-performing coating. I don't care if it takes twice as long to install. If it goes three times longer, I want to be giving that to my customers and I can upsell that, and it's exactly. good for my business. It's, it's horses for courses. The only time that there would be an absolute kind of undisputed winner for everybody is if there was a product that was perfect in everything. But yeah. I can't think of anything in life which is perfect in everything. Life is one no. big compromise. And that we're not seeing that as well. We're mm. not seeing that. You're, I think just as a – we're not going to preempt results, but I think the more involved the application, perhaps if it leans on that professional side where you get less – there might be some benefits in terms of durability and stuff like that. And the trade-off is price and perhaps a more involved application. That's probably what you're going to see. But probably. even that's a little bit yeah. jumping the gun because we haven't fired up the durability rig for the, the professional products yet, which is going to be coming soon. Yeah. Because the retail ones... are lasting longer than we thought. <laughs> yeah, they're hanging on. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, I think we're going to uh, draw this little segment to a close. But, John, that just leaves me to say thank you so much for helping with this mega test. It's My been absolute awesome. pleasure, guys. This is what we do, isn't it? It we, is. Me and you, if you, we're in a room right now, Ian Seeley, Bert Yule, John Delu. We've been doing this together for nearly 10 years, haven't we? 2016, oh God, was 15. it? 2015 was the very first man. Yeah, and that yeah. was a mega test. You were one of the anonymous testers. Yes. So we, that uh, was before your that YouTube was channel. When we, uh, virtually, it started in September 2015. And the, and the, and the uh, first ma- mega yeah, test was yeah, made. Yeah. So what you're saying is it's yes, our fault. Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, it's hard. I mean, we've been, yeah, our sorry, paths folks. have been intricately combined and intertwined since. And I've learned a lot from, from you and I've stolen, I mean, been inspired by a lot, <laughs> by a lot of your ideas. Um, and it's been a critical part of me growing as a channel working with you guys because you've got the same mindset yeah we we, we we do it properly and that's what it's all about it is it's about that well we're going to exactly. carry on intricately combining our parts and uh, <laughs> that's that's one of the most horrible things you've ever said <laughs> let's uh, let's flash forward in time again to you and me in the studio in a couple of weeks recording the rest of the podcast oh joy good stuff so we're back now, and uh, John has uh, left us, as, as you realise, he left weeks ago, in fact. As has the sunshine. Yes, it's been a very moist July, having had a very arid June. It's rubbish, isn't it? It is a bit crap. It is a bit crap. Um, but we are just going to tail the last section of the PC um, with uh, the last bit of the magazine. Um, so, post-Megatest, we go into Trader Talk. And Ian, you did an article on where we're we going. Well, I say I did an article, or I stole our article from something that we did earlier in... Uh, oh, yeah. No, it was l- late in 2022, wasn't it, when we went to Auto Mechanica, because part, uh, part of our job for going over there was to deliver a couple of presentations, just mm. to give a, give, a, give a UK perspective on the industry to mm. people. Yeah, the Germans love a PowerPoint. It's they great. do, so do I. I hate them. <laughs> the absolutely, best... I absolutely detest putting PowerPoints together. Well, the best bit was delivering it in English into our microphones and then it being real-time translated by a, a couple of little people in little boxes behind stage. Well, the, to... be- the best bit of that was when I accidentally changed my channel, I could hear myself in, in German. Because <laughs> I couldn't hear myself anyway, it was really off and, <laughs> yes. and, and again, quite arousing. Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, that was presented. And that was on, yeah, but really where we think... You know, yeah, it's, it's kind of a bit of speculation, but every now and then it's good to kind of step back, look at look at trends as a whole and just have a 
have a poke at where, where we think things are going. Mm. And, you know, we, we take a look at the rise of the dealerships and mm. how they're moving in on the, the detailing side of it because, frankly, their their revenues are being taken away from elsewhere by EVs not needing servicing and mm-hmm. people shopping around online for stuff. So they have to make up um, make up their income from elsewhere. And detailing is has always been a nice upsell for them. They've always charged 400 quid to put a bag into the back of your car. Mm-hmm. Um but now with the with the uh, independent man, the market, manu- but the manufacturers, uh, de- uh, the um, detailing manufacturers, detailing product manufacturers. I should really correct myself three mm-hmm. times before I get to the end of a sentence. <laughs> with, with detailing product manufacturers seeing a little gap in the market there and able to introduce a bit of a a better product, if you like, into into the retail stream. There's lots of little pop-ups going up with, I mean, G-Technica are a big one doing their their, their detailing pods mm. in, dealership, in dealerships at the moment. So, and it's not just G-Technic, um, Jewel Ultra were very big in that, although we're ne- never really sure what's happening with Jewel Ultra at the moment. It looks like concept, not Jewel Ultra, sorry, You're, Zirconite. Zirconite, yeah, no, they're very Jewel different. Jewel Ultra have always been doing it because yeah. they're... They're, they're, they're one of the big three, I would say, in terms of dealer supply, because you've got Superguard, you've got Jewel Ultra, and then you've got the Guard X. Diamond Bright. That's the Diamond one. Bright. Well, yeah, Jewel Ultra, yeah, yeah, same. I was, I was trying to remember what the brand name is. Um, yeah, you've got uh, Zirconite, who's actually who I was talking about. Um, Concept. Had, yeah, who yeah. are now who are always owned by Concept or supplied uh, no, by Concept. Supplied, or they're yeah. a sister company, Concept, and now it seems that all the supply has been taken over by Concept once more. Yeah. It's been so, taken in house. The point is that things are going on and things are happening, and we're just looking at how that's going to affect the market. We see how new technology is affecting new people coming into the market. Maybe things are getting quite easy, and it's lowered the barrier to entry a bit. Mm. Um, but that's also able to help people's profitability go up. So it swings and roundabouts, and we have a look at the environmental impact as well, and how greenwashing has kind of been pushed away and companies are actually having to put a bit more effort in now to make their products environmentally friendly and mm-hmm. more customers than ever are actually looking to that as a as a uh, solution not just from chemicals but low water usage and general waste and that so yeah and i think we're, we're in a kind of privileged position in terms of having a perspective on it because we talk to uh obviously detailing manufacturers big and small uh, and we've talked to quite a few who are much more focused on the mainstream, like you know, Dual Ultra and Lance and stuff. We have have chats, and it's good I've to get their perspective. I've got all creatures great and small going around in my head now, thanks to that. <laughs> oh, okay, well, we'll stick with that. And uh, now they're going around my head too. Damn you! <laughs> so uh, yeah, we've got a bit of a perspective on that, as well as obviously the independent detailer. We've talked to all sorts of people at all different levels, and, and able to kind of hopefully provide a perspective on that that might be useful. Um, it could be completely wrong. It's um, all speculation at yeah. the end of the day, but you know. Sometimes speculation is correct. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, statistically. Um, so uh, we then have a article from Kingfisher. So Classic Insurance is a name that's been a big one for detailers, particularly unit-based detailers, uh, for a long, long time. On the insurance side of things. On the insurance side of things. And they Kingfisher has now sort of taken over them, and uh, it is, it's going to go through a rebrand and stuff like that. But it's the same, same or mostly the same people underneath. And Kingfisher have got a kind of a broad, different, different section, so like motorsport insurance and stuff like that who coincidentally i know somebody because he used to run with uh vp car care or something Mm -hmm. or viper or something i can't remember anyway it's all connected so um interesting article useful for any unit based just answering a few of the questions that people Mm. generally have about oh can i let my uh friend pick up a car for me on a business purposes um yeah with my insurance is that possible they answer that 
Yeah, um, and also there at Waxstock as well. So do pop by and if you've got any specific questions, go and say hello. Um, then we have a show us your shop article. So I shot back over to Epping. In fact, uh, further to our dry ice article, I took a Subaru gearbox to get some more shots and stuff. Um, and so that was fun. And then we went to um, Pure Detailing UK, who is a new, it's a, it's a pair of guys, uh, Nathan and Alex, and they've been offering a mobile service for a while, and they've basically gone into a unit part of a grand plan. Uh, they work very closely with Starnagloss, um, as well as being official Lake Country ambassadors, I believe, and quite a lot of flex as well. So they are basically hitting the ground running. They've got a really interesting kind of business model. The unit actually operates 24-7, which is rare for like independent owner-operated detailers. Um, and so we give a bit of insight into why that business has done so well in such a short period of time. And it might well help you as a detailer to think of new ways of enhancing your business and making it more profitable. Um, and then the final article is a uh, showcase, which is a showcase of... Um, well, it was at Manchester Airport Conference Centre, mm -hmm. in which there is a big Concorde, as opposed to the little Concorde, yes. Concorde Mini. Um, and it, in fact, the Queen's Concorde. So it's uh, Golf, Bravo, Oscar, Alpha, Charlie, I think is the tail number. And um, there are three American cars which were required to be prepared for a big event there. And uh, the guys at... Uh, Skidmark Detailing uh, and Skunkworks, Skunkworks uh, were asked to prepare it and so they tied up with Flex and 3D and uh, did a jolly good job on these three Yank tanks. So um, have a read of that. It's impressive. And that is basically the end of the magazine so far. Well, well of this one, of 17. Entirely. We're not adding any more to it. Now. No, no. <laughs> uh, there's also a detailed directory coming out with this issue as well. Um, there is, yeah. Which is a nice little new thing we're, we're sticking in there. It's a little A5 booklet. You'll it's A4. Seeing. Is it? It's A4. Okay. Oh. It's an A4 booklet. <laughs> I thought you were going to do an A5 booklet. It was originally going to be an A5, but basically in the past we've had uh, a listing of, say, PVD members in the back of the magazine. Uh, we've now made more space in the magazine for articles and editorial, and there is a detailed directory which is not like directly tied to PVD. Uh, it's a kind of tie-up that we'll be doing together, um, and we'll be open to all independent detailers uh, worldwide and uh, there'll be free options and paid options and stuff like that. So it's a new thing. We're still putting it all together. It's still very much work in progress, but that is included in your magazine if you're buying in the UK. Cool. Well, that's it for another six months. Hmm. I'm going Bugger to off. sleep. Well, I would say go to sleep, but we've got wax stock next week. We've got the mags coming in about five days. Yeah. It's, it's pretty intense. I'm going off to Cornwall now, not for a holiday, sadly. Um, and yeah, then Sunday's going to be spent in spreadsheets. So at least there's something to look forward to. I'll sleep in August. <laughs> yeah. August is looking nice. August, yeah. I'm, I've got I a hammock wait. now. Have you? Yes. Why have you got a hammock? Because I can sleep in a hammock. Can you? You know, you're just boasting. I, I, I don't think I would look good in a hammock. I don't think I'd be able to stay in a hammock. So. I don't think it's the hammock that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, on, as ever, we'll end on that great compliment from Ian. Uh, and we will, I am sure, be back for Series 6 of the podcast season at some point towards the end of this year. Maybe. Let's not make promises. Might be next year. You know, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, grab your magazine from www.prodetailatmagazine.com. It's always nice to have support. And do feel free to message any feedback to ian at prodetailer.co.uk. <laughs> I'm not pressing the button. I'm, not I'm going to blank that out. I'm going to, I'm going to dump Bert <laughs> over the top of it. All right. Well, ta-da for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>